Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. On today's show, we've got a lot to cover after cutdown day, but you know, the, the preseason is over now. We got that small glimpse of what we can expect from certain players. So on today's show, I want to talk about the biggest risers and fallers after the last month of training camp practices and preseason games. And we've also had some pretty notable injuries pop up over the last couple of days here. So we'll get to those as well with our guest today, friend of the show, somebody who has been nothing but supportive and kind to me from the first moment that I interacted with him in the industry. Great guy, great analyst. Jeff Radcliffe of FTN. He's over there with some of our other friends who've been on the show a whole bunch recently, Derek Brown and Ray Garvin. And Jeff's on Twitter. You can find him at Jeff Radcliffe. He's also an outstanding host on SiriusXM Radio, writer, podcaster, radio, TV. The guy does it all and he does it damn well. And I'm, I'm pumped to have him back on with us today. So Jeff, welcome back to the show, buddy. It's been a minute since we've talked, since we've done one of these together. How you been? Pretty good, and you know that's nice of you to say because you've been quite kind as well. It's one thing about the fantasy industry that maybe people don't see on the outside. Like, yeah, we're in a game where we all compete against each other, but in the industry, we're not. We're it's like a brotherhood and sisterhood for all the the females in the industry as well. Uh, we have that vibe, and you've been nothing but kind to me as well. And you you're darn good at what you do as well, sir. So it's uh, yeah, it's good to be here. I am a little bit fatigued from fantasy draft season, so I'm ready for the season to start, but uh, I'm glad we kind of have this like little bye week before we get into the season. Yeah, it's weird. It's a little different this year, how they kind of change the cut down day time, and so now we get that a little earlier, and yeah, we kind of get a little little break, little breather there for you know almost a week before we go. I always say like it feels like going underwater. It's like you're just diving in, and we'll reemerge in, in January and February after the, the fantasy season's done, but we got a lot to cover today, especially true after all the cuts yesterday, um, so let's get into it here. The biggest name was definitely Cam Newton, and I think we all expected that Mac Jones was going to take over at some point this year. I mean, most first-round rookies do in year one these days, but most of the reports had suggested, at least from what I saw, that Cam was likely going to be the week one starter, and then that all changed Tuesday. The Patriots just decided to move on completely, roll with the rookie. So, Jeff, I'm curious where you think this leaves the Patriots offense from a fantasy standpoint, because there's definitely some interesting pieces there. You got Damian Harris kind of emerging as the lead back. Ramondre Stevenson looked really good in the preseason. He could be a nice backup running back to get on your bench. Jacoby Myers quietly put up some good stats last year, didn't score any touchdowns. But, you know, he's really looking like the top wide out there, even Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry at tight end. Like there's some very interesting players in that offense. And now I wonder, is this going to be a, a quarterback upgrade or not? Are you more or less interested in these guys now that Mac Jones is under center? Yeah, there's so much to unpack here. It's it's interesting. On Monday, Bill Belichick was asked about Cam Newton, and he said he's moving in the right direction. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is that one where Belichick went back to the like you know the coaches? He's like, you hear what I just said? I said he's moving in the right direction. Out the door. <laughs> I, I don't know how to read that, but the writing was on the wall for this. I I was already bullish on. Damian Harris as a result of the Sony Michelle trade because I knew eventually Jones was going to get under center anyway and then you wouldn't have the cannibalization of touches that Cam Newton it, it gives that offense in the run game right he's going to have 10 11 12 or more carries in a given game and Mac Jones isn't going to do that he's not a stiff he's not going to run for two yards in the course of a season like a Philip Rivers but he's not going to rush the ball that much back there so that helps 
I think you're you're looking at him. If you can still get him right now, you have a draft upcoming. You get him at the you know the end of the RB dead zone. I'm fine with that. I, I really like you know how he's looked this season. You mentioned Ramondre Stevenson. He'll be involved. He's a handcuffed back now that you take in the late rounds. But I know a lot of people are looking at Jones himself. So one thing I've said to a lot of people in the last couple days here, and, and actually we could even go back even just a bit further to ETN's injury or anything that's happened major. Just because something happens doesn't mean we have to draft the other player. We have to pick up the other player. If you already drafted and you're telling me, oh, I drafted... Uh, you know, whatever, Matt Stafford and Trey Lance. Should I drop Lance for Jones? No, just, just stay with Trey Lance. We don't even know what we have with him yet. You don't have to react to it. And I think we're viewing him as an upside QB3, right? He's right in that, but right behind Zach Wilson for me in my rankings right now. He could certainly outplay that. He could certainly look like a rookie at times. I do think he was the second most prepared out of the top five quarterbacks in this year's class to start on day one, so it is not a shock. The only player more prepared would be Trevor Lawrence. So it's not a shock there that he's starting, but let's not get too overboard. In a two-quarterback league, I'll have him as my third quarterback. You mentioned the backup quarterback, Jacoby Myers, because until Jared Stidham <laughs> is back, Jacoby Myers is is the backup. I think he's a wonderful case study in trusting our eyes when we go through the pre-draft process because I watched a lot of Kelvin Harmon. And every time I watch Kelvin Harmon, I'm like, who is this other guy? This other guy looks better than Kelvin Harmon. And I didn't trust it. It was Jacoby Myers, of course. I didn't trust it. Nobody trusted it. He didn't go drafted. Kelvin Harmon did. Kelvin Harmon is cut from Washington. And Jacoby Myers is now arguably the number one target in New England. Trust our eyes a little bit. I think he's a fine option as a wide receiver four, wide receiver five type. More, You're going to draft him more as a wide receiver five who can see plenty of volume in that offense. The, the slot receiver historically has done quite well. And I actually have kind of become a little bit more bullish on Jonu Smith as Hunter Henry continues to show us that he just can't stay healthy for extended period of t- periods of time. There's value to be had in that offense. And Mac Jones, I think, overall is going to make the offense just a little bit better. Now, overall, the, uh, the personnel is better from last year as well, but it's just going to look more like we would think a, a Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick offense is, is going to look like. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what kind of play volume they have, like what kind of pace they're going to run with, because that was one of the things during the Brady days is they ran so many plays that it kind of helped them be you know, a little more fantasy relevant, whereas last year it was kind of a little slower and a little clunkier. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Jones can do that. And you mentioned Johnny. I mean, Sometimes it's even it's not even what the players are doing. It's what's happening around them in the tight end position. There's so many injuries and stuff, and we'll talk a bit about some of those later. But there's so many injuries that John who's just kind of moving up the tight end board regardless. However you feel about the Mac Jones thing, John who has to end up back in that kind of low end tight end one or that fringe tight end one range. Uh, Cam was the the big one. I mean. Were there any other moves yesterday? I mean, there's a lot of little stuff and, you know, little things that might have tweaked the rankings. Nothing super major. I mean, was there anything else that kind of stood out to you on, on cut down day? Well, I think in some instances it was who wasn't cut that that is also important. We're going to have some deeper names who we should be keeping an eye on at running back, for example. Every year we know running backs uh, are more fragile. The top end running backs are more fragile than the top end wide receivers. They get hurt at a higher rate. Therefore, we see some of these running backs emerge down the stretch who 
they weren't even on our radar whatsoever when we opened the season up, and then all of a sudden they're scoring quality fantasy points for us in the playoffs. Uh, I think Kenny Gainwell is a really interesting name in Philadelphia. He played himself into a roster spot there for for Philadelphia after probably going a bit under under drafted in the draft back in April. He he was an opt out, so you know the, a lot of guys hurt their stock by opting out. Uh, last year due to COVID, and the Eagles got him out of steel. Now he is more of a passing down back. He's not quite built like a, you know, like an early down back. He kind of has a little Theo Riddick to him for me. But uh, I keep an eye on him. Uh, I, I think you know you look at a situation like Chuba Hubbard. There were some questions as to whether or not Rodney Smith was going to end up being the backup running back there. Chuba Hubbard. It looks pretty clear that he is the the cuff. Just because he is the cuff, though, doesn't mean we have to run out and pick him up and drop somebody silly. But at the same time, uh, he's he's in a position, as we saw last year with Mike Davis, that he could really benefit. Uh, some of the other ones, uh, let's see. the Oh, uh, the fact that both the Falcons and the Steelers basically cut everybody in their backfield with the exception of three <laughs> running backs. Uh, Najee Harris is going to have a ton of touches. And Mike Davis is going to have a ton of touches. Now, I don't love Mike Davis, but volume is the name of the game in fantasy football. And they basically have shown us every step of the way that they're, they're committed to him. As surprising as that is, they are. So, you know, it's sometimes either the players who remain on the roster or the sort of the situation that tells us a little bit more uh, about what to expect. And I think those are some of the, the bigger ones, especially at running back for me. There was a couple guys at receiver, too, that I was a little surprised that they got dropped yesterday, and they've already found new teams. One was Tyron Johnson, drop of the Chargers, and he's landed on the Jags, and the Jags are one of those teams that they let like eight or nine receivers go, something, and they were carrying a lot of receivers to begin with, but they let a bunch of them go other than really like the the top three that they have, which is maybe a good sign that DJ Shark will be back healthy early in the season, maybe for week one. But a guy like Colin Johnson, just a, the skyscraper of a dude, seemed to flash a bunch of different times, and then they just let him go. But Tyron Johnson's somebody who... Uh, a ton of speed, a guy that really became fantasy relevant playing with Justin Herbert last year, and and I thought had a shot to become the the number three in that offense, but he kind of got passed by Jalen Guyton and uh, and Josh Palmer, the rookie there. So he's a guy that we'll see if he can get into the rotation in Jacksonville at all. And then Brashad Perriman, and this one is at the beginning of the offseason, you look at that Lions receiver core and you think somebody has to emerge from that receiver core. And Brashad Perriman had a nice stretch a couple years ago at the Bucks, so maybe this could be a chance for him. And then over and over, we just heard about the fact that he really wasn't doing much, and he dealt with some injuries too. But if he can't really catch on in that Lions receiving core, he signed with Chicago today. I don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to be fantasy relevant in Chicago at all. So Brashad Perriman might be done at this point, but at least a name that you see, you know, when these guys get dropped and get picked up that quick, uh, there's a chance that we'll hear from them again in fantasy. Other than that, I mean... The big thing that really came out over the last few days I want to talk about is just some of these season-ending injuries. And J.K. Dobbins obviously lost for the year, torn ACL. Gus Edwards now stepping into that lead-back role. For the time being, they aren't adding anybody. I mean, so it's it's Tyson Williams. He's the new number two. Justice Hill ends up as the number three. How are you feeling about this Ravens backfield now? I mean, are you taking Edwards up there where Dobbins was going? Or are you a little more hesitant now with Dobbins out of the picture this year? Well, I, I like Edwards as a player, and, and Edwards is actually my argument against taking J.K. Dobbins. So people saw J.K. Dobbins, the touchdown efficiency, by the way, which was off the charts last year, 
And they thought, okay, well, the logical progression is that this guy now becomes the guy in year two. And my argument was, well, they kept Gus Edwards around. He's still a pretty good player. And he's still going to have 150-plus carries in that offense. Now, Gus is in a situation where he doesn't quite have that. Tyson Williams, not quite that caliber player, although it looks like they do really like what they have in him. And Justice Hill is not that guy. So... The volume should be there, but the challenge that I keep running into, Justin, is roster construction. So if you're telling me at this point, where do I have to draft Gus Edwards? Is it the fourth round where he's going or even the fifth round? A lot of times I find myself going in different directions in that range and not drafting the player. The fortunate thing, though, is I drafted him in the 10th round a couple weeks ago in a lot of leagues, so I'm sitting on him and have the shares of him. But I just don't find, you know, that it just feels overvalued when I compare the the position to wide receivers in the same range. When you're talking, I can still potentially get a top 15 wide out. Or even, you know, if it's not top 15, it's a DJ Moore or somebody like that, a top 20 with massive upside in the same range. I'm going to opt for the other road because that's how I want to construct my rosters this year. Yeah, and I've talked about this with Dobbins before, but the idea that the Ravens always talk about they're going to throw to their backs more, and they never do. Every year in the offseason, we get that, and it never happens. So that's what I was worried about with Dobbins was I just didn't see him having the receiving upside. So then for him to get up into the the top 10, you know, top 15 even maybe, he was going to have to have that big touchdown total. And it's possible. We saw Mark Ingram do that with the Ravens a few years back. But when you also had a guy like Gus Edwards there, it was going to be tough. Now, Edwards even less of a receiving profile for him. He's barely been used as a pass catcher in the pros at all. So uh, I really don't think that the ceiling is there for him. So then once again, it's can he put up that double-digit touchdown season? Maybe he can, and if he does, yeah, he'll be top 15 back potentially. But in the range of outcomes for him, it's a small possibility for that to happen. So not really a great bet, and I'm with you there, that there's just so many receivers in that range that are fantastic, that have really high ceilings that you can grab onto. And I do kind of like Tyson Williams. You know, I've had him on my watch list for a while. I'll give all the credit for that one to to Matt Waldman. He mentioned him last year as a deep sleeper for Dynasty, and Matt's just a phenomenal talent evaluator, you know, football guys, his RSP. If he mentions somebody... I think it should pique everybody's interest. So I've been kind of waiting to see, is Williams going to get a shot? And this year, we finally started to see some reports that he was shining in practice, that you know, he comes out in the preseason and he looked pretty good. And prior to the Dobbins injury, it's kind of funny, but you know there was some talk that he could be the third back this year, that he could beat out Justice Hill, who had dealt with some injuries. So maybe he could be the guy behind Dobbins and Edwards. So I'm in a, a dynasty startup. It actually just ended the draft, just ended 14 teams, 34 rounds, bunch of analysts in there. I took Williams in like the 31st or 32nd round. It was like so late. And I got a ton of flack from the group at the time. I had some people even joking. We're talking about analysts in the industry joking. Is that even an NFL player? And then a week later, Dobbins gets hurt. And now everybody knows who Tyson Williams is. And that doesn't mean that Williams is going to pay off. You know, I got some kind of, you know, joking apologies and stuff from everybody on that one. But they could easily go out and sign a Todd Gurley, somebody like that. It worked Gurley out in June. I know they're saying for the time being, they're not going to bring anybody in, but remember the Rams also said that when Cam Akers went down and sure enough, down the road, they go out and they get Sony Michelle. So Harbaugh's talked about not wanting to have that, you know, main workhorse guy that they want to keep multiple backs involved. So I don't really see Gus Edwards being that 25 touch a game kind of running back. And we talked about, you know, 
tough to get up there if he's not getting a, a lot of receiving work, a lot of targets. So Williams could be somebody that gets work there. I think he's at least interesting, a guy you could grab in the very late round still and stash on your bench and see if he could work into sort of that that Gus Edwards role. Unfortunately, I mean, Dobbins isn't the only injury that we should talk about here. And I kind of added this one late. I, I sent it to you before the show. Uh, Irv Smith, we got word this morning that he had surgery to repair his meniscus. That is the much worse situation as far as the meniscus injury goes, the recovery timetable for that one, four to five months. So he's basically out for the season. And it was kind of hinted at that last uh, yesterday when the Vikings went out and they traded for Chris Herndon, right? So it, when they were doing that, it was kind of like, okay, maybe Smith isn't going to be around this year. And Herndon has talent. I mean, we've hyped him before as a, a late round tight end. He never really came through for us. That rookie year was a, a top 10 guy for fantasy over you know a pretty good stretch late in the season, 10 games or so. Uh, but that's really all we've seen from him. And they also have Tyler Conklin, who was already set to take on a, a bigger role with Kyle Rudolph gone. So, Jeff, I just wanted to touch on this one because it's kind of another you know big injury when people are looking for breakout tight ends this year. We talked a bit off the top about it's it's thinning out a little in that area with guys like Irv Smith hurt and Evan Ingram. You got the Giants kind of potentially talking about putting him on IR with his calf injury. So how do you think that this is going to – you could talk about the tight ends if you want and whether you think Conklin or – Herndon are interesting at all for fantasy, but also how do you think this is going to impact the Vikings offense as a whole? Because I've been down on somebody like Adam Thielen in drafts, but this could help keep his production high. No, it absolutely could. And and I really think that's the key takeaway here is both Thielen and Justin Jefferson. That's who this offense is going to run through. I feel like there are guys, uh, you know, I've equated it to the Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. We put our fingers in our ear. We go, la, 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 la. We don't hear what the NFL is telling us. And I'm not saying the NFL directly, Roger Goodell sending us emails saying that Chris Herndon's never going to be a thing in fantasy football. I'm saying that the league tells us things without directly saying it. We've been down this road. We've been down this road. We've been down this road. Chris Herndon is not going to be a thing for fantasy football purposes. He's always going to be a tease. And yes, they made this move, but, eh, you know, they had to get somebody in there. They, they obviously were going to be without, uh, without Irv. They don't have Kyle Rudolph anymore. And, Conklin, I, I mean, Conklin's basically taking Kyle Rudolph's role in the offense. So they bring another guy in. They had to address the need on their team, but that doesn't mean we have to react for fantasy purposes. It's just challenging a tight end in general. Once you get outside of roughly the first seven tight ends, every tight end is then the same for about 20 more tight ends. They're all guys who are going to go out and put three for 32 up, and if they score a touchdown, you're going to be happy. And if they don't, you're going to say they suck and you want to cut them. And how dare you <laughs> recommend that I draft this guy and, you know, all that fun stuff. That's kind of where we are with Chris Herndon. So he doesn't really move into draftable territory. I liked Irv because Irv has, has shown the flash. He showed enough where I thought, okay, he could take a little bit of a step forward. He's an upside option. But we still know what we're getting in a later round tight end. And it just is what it is. But I'm not going to take the cheese on on uh, Chris Herndon or Tyler Conklin, for that matter. Yeah, I like that you said that about tight ends and the touchdown scoring for those guys outside oh. of the, the top tiers. Because last year in the Fantasy Pros contest, I was really good in every position except for tight end. I was like, I think around 
50th or something at tight end. And I had people asking, you know, oh man, what happened at tight end this year? And I said exactly what you just said. I said, after the first few guys, it's basically just a crapshoot, right? Like it's who's going to score the touchdown that week. And if you hit on them, great. And if you don't, you're probably gonna have a, a pretty bad week, either accuracy wise or, you know, with your actual fantasy team, if you're trying to to stream or something like that. All right, that brings us to the, the main event, the the thing I mentioned off the top, the the risers and fallers from the preseason. We've probably already talked about a, a couple of those guys along the way here, but we could just go back and forth and and throw out some names. And I want to start with the the positives. That's much better to to begin with here. So, uh, who's somebody that got a, a nice boost in value over the last month in your mind? Uh, well, you know, I guess I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to go too deep on the first one. But I was resistant to the whole C.D. Lamb narrative initially because he didn't move out of the slot. But actually watching, uh, and that was last year, actually watching Hard Knocks and watching the preseason and, and hearing all the plans for what they're going to do with Michael Gallup and moving these guys around the formation, I did. Buy, I am buying in now. He's, he's a special talent, and there's enough meat on the bone in that offense for C.D. Lamb to very well be a top 12 fantasy wideout and Amari Cooper be a top 15 fantasy wideout. That's how productive I think they could be. He continues to move up. He's the sexy guy in drafts. He's the guy that you put a sticker on a board and somebody is going to say to you, nice pick, bro, or, oh, man, I was hoping he was going to make it to me or something along those lines. So, yeah, big-time riser. And this is that breakout year. This is that Calvin Ridley of last year type player. Uh, I am buying in on it with CD Lamb now. Yeah, it's hard not to get excited when like every single day there's like three or four highlights coming out of practice all summer mm-hmm. long, just amazing catches and everything that he's making. And I'm with you. I have them both ranked. I have him and Cooper both ranked in my top 15. I think they can both pay off as long as Dak stays healthy. And right now it seems like he should be okay. As long as Dak's out there, they're going to be just fine. I'm going to cheat a little with my first one. I'm going to toss out two guys because they're teammates, but Corey Davis and Zach Wilson the connection was just evident right away. Um, it helped that Elijah Moore, the, the rookie, wasn't out there. And Elijah Moore was really another one of those guys that was kind of flashing in practice. But we didn't really see him in the preseason because he's been hurt. So that cleared the path a, a little bit. But the Jets paid up to to get Davis. And they paid him like a number one receiver. And he's a guy who looked really good for the Titans last year in their number two spot. And if you think back fantasy-wise, I mean, he was the wide receiver 32 in fantasy points per game in PPR last year. And now he's going to get an uptick in volume. He's going to the Jets to be that top target. And by all accounts, it seems like he's Wilson's favorite target so far. So Davis is going, depending what ADP you're looking at, I mean, around like wide receiver 40-ish or so. He sneaks into, you know, maybe the high 30s there in some drafts. But outside of the top 100 picks in ADP, and I see him value-wise as like a sixth or a seventh round pick. I have him all the way up there in my top 150. I think he's inside my top 30 receivers as well. So you have Wilson looking good. That definitely helps Davis's cause too. And sometimes we see in the preseason, you, the rookies can really struggle, right? And maybe they, they show they need a little more time to acclimate to the pros. Wilson will definitely have some speed bumps. It's not just all going to be sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows, but he definitely didn't look out of place this preseason. And, you know, now when you think about the depth at quarterback, fantasy-wise, you're not really looking at a guy like Wilson in single QB leagues. I think, you know, he's more of a super flex or a two QB option, but he probably should be viewed a little closer to some of those other rookies that everyone's so excited about. And I will admit, I had him further down, but after what we saw in the preseason, I think we have to start changing our tune on that one because he's kind of been the the forgotten man in that rookie conversation. Him and Mac Jones have been a little further back and now at least Wilson, and maybe we'll see with Jones, I think Wilson should be a little closer to those other guys. And then Davis is just somebody who 
I wouldn't be surprised if he turned in like a top 24 year. Like, I think that's within his range of outcomes for sure, especially if they continue to use him the, the way they have. So he's got that kind of ceiling in this offense and the improved coaching staff. I mean, this is not the same Jets. We've been saying this all offseason. Things have changed there. Things are going to be better. They're going to be better in real life, and they're definitely going to be better in fantasy. So I'm kind of excited. I mean, I don't know if you want to comment on that or if you want to just move on and, and throw out another riser there, but feel free to, to comment on the Jets guys if you want. Yeah, two comments, actually. I wanted to go back to you when people ask you what what went wrong in rankings. If you're listening to this right now, you're probably listening in large part because Justin is really good at rankings, right? And the difference between the number one ranker and the number 50 ranker is nowhere near as much as it sounds when you say one in 50. It's a really small margin. So uh, always keep that in mind, especially when you go through and, and you look at that uh, the, the, the score is just, it's not as big as you think it is. And it's like the I, Olympics when you lose really by is. like a hundredth of a second really or something, is. right? Like yeah, and you the one year like I sick. finished, the one year I finished 11th and it was like a tie for 10th, but all the way down the decimal places, I ended up finishing 11th. Those are the yeah, well, you, back, beat so. me, you beat me by like a hundredth of a point last year for fifth place, I think, according to them. So it was, it was pretty close, you know, that's, <laughs> it's a razor thin margin. And the point is that you know when you look at the the accuracy it's it's who's most consistent over the years and you know obviously Justin's name is up there along with a lot of other folks that's where Including it really comes yourself. down to don't it. don't gloss over that uh, one you're always uh, up there yeah. too <laughs> but it, but it's it's that's where it really comes down to it and it's uh, it's that long-term process so you know you have a bad year at one position okay big deal uh, honestly and you, you know, tight end is the one position we will have up and down years at because of obvious reasons i love Corey davis i love the call out i love the fact that he has a quarterback who loves him and i thought all along that zach wilson was a bit underrated by the fantasy masses anyway so this is all great i, I like that call out and i'll follow you so i took the low-hanging fruit to start because i wanted to talk about the sexy player but um, I'll take a quarterback wide receiver combo as well. I wrote down here in Jameis Winston uh, and uh, and Callaway in New nice. Orleans because okay, a couple things. Uh, Jameis Winston, I, I have been on record going all the way back to last year saying that I did not think that Taysom Hill passed the audition. So I'm glad to see that that actually worked out because I would have hated to get those tweets. I still get tweets about Le'Veon Bell sitting out the entire season. There are still people who will say, "Oh, remember this take." Um, yes, I said that I didn't think he was going to sit out the entire season. It was unprecedented. It never happened before. And I'm sorry. Okay, Twitter. Anyway, Jameis is the starter and that's good. Callaway took off. That's even better. And Michael Thomas on reserve pup. Now there is a lot of confusion out there in terms of what this means. So here is the official from football operations, the NFL, uh, statement on how long they, these guys have to stay on reserve pup. And bear with me, Justin, because this is some wording right here. Beginning on the sixth calendar day prior to a club's seventh regular season game, including any bye week, clubs are permitted to begin practicing players on the reserve pup and reserve non-football injury or illness lists for a period not to exceed 21 days. So it's not about games. It is about weeks because they have that including any bye week in there. So that means that Michael Thomas will be eligible to return in week seven that's 43% of your fantasy football regular season, and that is a lot of time for Lou Gehrig Callaway to step in here and uh, <laughs> Wally Pip Michael Thomas. Uh, I, I love what we've seen out of him. He balled out in the preseason game. 
and I don't think this is a joke. This isn't a fluke. This isn't a, a preseason wonder. This is a guy who consistently got better, a guy who beat writers were talking about every single day. He sees the opportunity, and we could be looking at him. It would not surprise me. You're not drafting him here, but we could be looking at him as uh, a wide receiver three or better after that first six weeks of the season. And then that could just continue from there. These breakouts happen like that every year, and he stands out to me as one of those guys. Yeah, and I'm with you there, and we've talked about it on the show before, just the idea of, yeah, Michael Thomas can come back at that point, but is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be happy? Like, we've seen these receivers get disgruntled and sit out the rest of the season when they've had some of these injuries and kind of, whether they're milking it or not, just kind of use that as an excuse to not come back to the team. So we really don't know what the situation is with Michael Thomas. And even if Thomas comes back, I still think Callaway's an interesting pick. He's a guy who can help you get off to a hot start, and we know how important that could be for fantasy, right? You get off to that hot start, and now you're in control of your fate. You can make some trades and set yourself up for the fantasy playoffs as opposed to playing from behind and trying to make some desperation moves and try to just get yourself into that playoff hunt or that playoff mix. So, yeah, I, I really like Callaway and, and where you can get him. And it might it'll depend ADP-wise, you know, where it kind of ends up and and where he's going and different drafts i'm sure there might be someone who's listening to us today who's going to spend up to get him in the you know ninth round or something but there's definitely gonna be some drafts where he's still on the board in the the 10th or maybe even later um and i think he's a great pick in any of those rounds so i'm i'm all on board for that one Uh, we're talking a bunch about receivers here but i got another one i gotta throw out and it's michael pittman And you might say that Michael Pittman didn't do that much this preseason. It's not like Callaway who had like that big, you know, that big first half a couple weeks ago and scored a couple really interesting touchdowns. Pittman didn't do that much. Now he only had one catch this preseason, but sometimes the the risers can happen for other reasons. And with Pittman, we started August with these concerns that Carson Wentz wouldn't be available for week one. And I know he's on the COVID list at the moment, but barring any complications there, should be good to go early in the season, maybe for the opener still. You know, at least he's not going to be at the initially with that foot injury. They were saying it could be 12 weeks he was going to be out. Definitely not that. He was back at practice already. Now he's just got to get off the COVID list. So Pittman should have his quarterback here. And then his main competition for targets, you have T.Y. Hilton sidelined indefinitely with this neck issue. Paris Campbell, who is somebody that I liked, but he was running with the second string offense. So during the preseason here, so I don't know what's going to happen with him. Is is he really as exciting as, as maybe I thought or maybe a bunch of people thought? And Zach Pascal's the other guy there, not really challenging Pittman as the, the top wide out. Zach Pascal's a, a nice piece, a nice player who can get into those three wide sets if Hilton's out, but not somebody that I think is going to all of a sudden become the number one target there. And plus, you've gotten this consistent drumbeat from reporters, everybody around the team saying that Pittman's starring in practice, that he's poised for this big year. So everything is kind of headed in the right direction. And that caused me to move him up to just around that like fringe wide receiver three range. And there's a really big group there, but I definitely think Pittman belongs. I think, you know, he needs to be on everybody's radar as a breakout candidate this season. I agree with the opportunity knocks. There's no doubt about it for him. Uh, you know, injuries, uh, they are the worst part of football, but they do create opportunities for guys either further down the depth chart or guys who are already in a position where they were going to produce anyway and now have the chance to be the guy. I love his after catch ability too. You know, he's just so angry after catch. And, and that's, that's an, an element to his game. We only saw flashes of last year that we're going to think, I think see a whole lot more, uh, this year. If you're listening to, uh, my answer is no. I am not concerned about Carson Wentz. I'm not concerned about Quentin Nelson. Uh, they're going to be just fine. So I guess I, I, you want three from me, right? Should I round this one out? 
Sure, you could throw it. You can even go rapid fire if you got a couple that you want to mention. But yeah, give us give us well, one more here. Yeah, I got I got one that uh, I don't think people are reacting to, at least the fantasy drafting public. But I do think he is a riser based on what we've seen, and then also roster cutdowns as well. Something I didn't mention earlier. I'm going with Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon had a prominent role in this offense, despite the fact that Raheem Mostert was being used. He had a prominent role with the first team offense in. Uh, the third preseason game there, the most recent uh, sample size that we have here from this this team. He's a player who they prioritized, moved up to pick on day two, in a year where very few running backs were taken in the first two round or two days of the NFL draft, three rounds to be precise. And they kept three running backs on the roster. You know, they kept Raheem Mostert, obviously, and then they kept the two kids that they drafted, Elijah Mitchell, the other one. And get to know the name Elijah Mitchell if you don't already. Very athletic kid who, while he was helped by his offensive line at the college level, still was very productive. But I think Sermon, right out of the gate, is immediately contributing in an offense that, recently, we used to say this about his father's offense, oh, you could put anybody in it running back and they'll run for 1,000 yards. Well, now, I mean, it's it's the Shanahan legacy here. You put anybody in that offense and they're ripping off long runs. So Sermon, for me, the fact that you still don't have to pay the same price for him I mean, current ADP that I'm looking at has Mostert as RB26, Sermon as RB29, almost a round behind him. It's a no-brainer, but I think his stock is on the rise, and people, unlike Callaway or some of these other names, Davis, I don't think people are quite realizing it just yet. And it's going to be, you know, at one point in the season, people are going to say either, darn, I wish I drafted him, or man, I am so glad I drafted this guy. Yeah, I, I like that call. I still think, like, I've sprinkled in a little Raheem Mostert as well, because when he's healthy, I think yeah. both guys could be productive fantasy-wise, right? It just we're, we're so concerned, and we've seen it already in the offseason. I mean, yep. Mostert missing OTAs with a knee issue. Like, he just kind of, there was a report that he had a back injury. It didn't turn out to be anything serious during uh, during practice, but, you know, he just kind of continuously gets banged up, and, and we have a good feeling that's going to happen again here. It's tough to predict injuries, but he's a guy that just hasn't been able to, to stay healthy, unfortunately, and so fast, can definitely break a game wide open with that speed, but... He's probably not going to be able to uh, stay on the field all season. That's why they went out and got Sermon. So I love that call. And I mean, there's other running backs we could throw out here. James Robinson is the most obvious one that we're not talking about. And that one's injury wise. But Jared Patterson, if we're going to go like even a little deeper here, Jared Patterson ends up making the team for Washington. And he could be that guy that if something happens to Antonio Gibson, Jared Patterson could be a very interesting fantasy name. Kylan Hill for the Packers looked great during the preseason. And if Aaron Jones went down, I'm starting to wonder whether Hill would kind of step in and you'd have Dylan would be the lead guy, but that Hill would come in and maybe play that that secondary role, that complementary role, and could be interesting, maybe in a fantasy flex in that situation. So there's a lot of guys. I mean, Jamichael Hasty even making the team for the 49ers. Another name. I know we're talking about so many 49ers here, but he's another guy that he looked much improved this year in the preseason and if injuries strike, even if Sermon goes down or Elijah Mitchell was banged up, I know you talked about him. He was banged up at one point in the preseason. Um, anybody in that 49ers backfield could go off. So Hasty could be another name to, to keep on your watch. So those are just some like really deep kind of number three options that maybe we'll be picking up off the waiver wire at some point this year. All right, let's flip the switch here. I hate being negative, but it's my least favorite thing to do fantasy wise, but there's definitely some guys that, that disappointed and their stocks kind of headed in the wrong direction here over the last month. So let's do a couple of these as well before we get out of here. So who's, who's first for you on that list? 
DeAndre Swift. Unfortunately, the writing was on the wall for uh, this. Uh, really, once they hired Anthony Lynn, and Anthony Lynn came out and said, I see Jabal Williams as my classic A-back, and DeAndre Swift is more of a satellite B-back. Uh, that was not good. And then the fact that he gets hurt and now can't quite get healthy, and the coaching staff continually dancing around his availability and yet he's still going in the third round in a lot of drafts. You know, maybe fourth round, but a lot of home leagues are slow to react to this type of news. And somebody always takes him. I think you're going to end up being disappointed there. I love the talent of DeAndre Swift. It's not a knock on him whatsoever, but the situation just is not encouraging. And it's yet another reason why that why we're calling it the dead zone there's a lot of running backs who are going in that range right now that just aren't appealing for a variety of reasons and with swift the injury concerns part of it the usage the other part of it yeah and that one hurts because just such a great talent was my yeah. favorite running back coming out in that class i just i love him so much and i'd love to see him in a, a better situation and, and healthy but it doesn't seem like we're going to see that early in the year here he's going to end up splitting in an offense that I'm worried about that offense. I'm sure you could tell when I talked about the, the Lions receiving court earlier that I got some concerns about that offense overall. Uh, another offense that I have a lot of concerns about is the Giants, and I could really just put that one as my my whole faller for the next one here. Like, If you look at it, like it's harder to be let down in a preseason like this because a lot of teams just decided to not really play their starters. So we didn't see every team's starting unit out there. We only saw Daniel Jones out there once, and it wasn't all bad, but... Even in a limited appearance, he still turned the ball over again. He got picked, and that was such a problem for him last year. Not just interception, but fumbles as well. And it just makes me so worried about this offense because they didn't address the offensive line. And when you're picking up backups from teams, the guys that are cast off from a team like the Bengals who already doesn't have a great line, that's a pretty sad state of affairs. You look at the skill position players, Saquon Barkley will probably be fine once he's healthy, even if he starts the year, if he misses week one or if he's limited or something like that. Once he's back up to speed, Barkley, I'm pretty confident he's going to be able to produce. But who else are we excited about here? Kenny Galladay? I mean, he's out with the hamstring injury. Even if he plays early in the year, he's missed so much time, right? Normally, if a receiver comes over to a new team, you need that time to gel. You need those reps. And he has missed all that valuable time. And whenever a receiver changes teams, I'm worried. I know people point to DeAndre Hopkins or Stefan Diggs. Those guys are really elite talents, and they had that time in the offseason with their quarterbacks. Galladay not on the same level as them and didn't get the practice time in the offseason. So that's concerning. Evan Ingram, we touched on it earlier. He's got that calf issue. The team's thinking about whether they need to put him on IR. That's scary. So aside from Barkley, who is already going lower in drafts than normal because he's his injury that he's coming off of. There's just really no one else I want in this Giants offense. And I feel like every time I'm updating my rankings, I'm moving all these Giants players down a few spots or even a round or so because I just don't want to be involved with this team. I think there's a good shot that the wheels come off here at some point this season. And I see a really straight line, to be honest, to that happening and them maybe next year getting their, their quarterback of the future. Um, not really excited about what's happening in New York there. And, and all those guys are, are kind of a letdown after this last month. Yeah, it's a shame. I, I've consistently moved him down uh, as well, Daniel Jones. I thought he was a, a guy you could possibly take as an upside option, and it just not it's not a path I'm willing to take at this point. 
even with a last round dart in a one quarterback league, even in a two quarterback league as my third quarterback, there are other directions I'd rather go. So I'm with you with that. And I'll actually stick in the NFC East here. And this one is no fault of his own because he's pretty freaking good, but there's still just another guy there. It's Dallas Goddard. There was a, a time where I thought Dallas Goddard was the clear number seven fantasy tight end. And now I think Logan Thomas is the clear number seven fantasy tight end. <laughs> and I don't know if I would draft Goddard any higher than tight end 11 or 12 just because I fear a lot of cannibalization from Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is not the player he was bef- you know, a couple years ago, obviously. But he's still a capable pass-catching tight end who will be a reliable option for a young quarterback. And he is going to see the field a lot. Remember, it's not obviously the same coaching staff, but it is a coaching staff who did use a lot of 12 personnel last year in Indianapolis, and I expect them to continue to do so here this year. So Goddard now comes with more volatility. He still has that massive ceiling, but where we had once thought, okay, this dude is breaking out, it's happening this year, I'm nowhere near as bullish. It's unfortunate because I love him as a player, but I just I now find myself not looking at him in, in drafts. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And the the tight ends, we joked earlier about how with all these injuries, some of those other guys are getting bumped up, maybe no fault of their own. They're moving up the board. Goddard's the one that I'm right there with you. I think I've dropped him like four or five spots over the last few weeks because, yeah, it's a it's a definite, definite concern there. Um, I'll give you a combo, a pair of miles, Miles Sanders, Miles Gaskin. And mm. there was a time a few months back after the draft when I thought maybe both those guys still had a decent shot of putting up top 15, top 20 numbers, and it's still within the range of outcomes, but I don't know how you could feel nearly as excited about them after the last month. Because, I mean, Gaskin, probably still the best talent in that backfield, but Brian Flores has admitted that he plans to roll with that three-back committee there. And Malcolm Brown and Salvin Ahmed, they're quality pieces. They can help that team. Brown could be that short yardage goal line guy, and Ahmed, just a pretty good all-round backup, but also a really nice pass catcher. He's been flashing in games and in practices with that. And Flores showed us last year that he's willing to go with the unknown. He'll go with anybody in that backfield. Kind of surprised us by playing Gaskin last season. The coaching staff comes from the Patriots system. I mean, they're not afraid to mess with fantasy managers. They could use a bunch of backs week to week. It wouldn't surprise me at all. So that takes a little bit of the shine off Gaskin. And I know he's fallen a little bit. You probably get him in like the sixth round or so, but that's in that range. Like you talked about earlier, where there's so many nice receivers that it's kind of tough to take some of these these risky running backs. And then Sanders, you mentioned uh, Kenneth Gainwell earlier, and that's part of it, right? It's just they the Eagles have shown us that they don't really trust Sanders as a receiver at all, whether it's drafting Gainwell, whether it's all the reports of Boston Scott just continuing to get work with the first team because he's good in the receiving game and Sanders struggling with drops throughout the summer. It caps his upside. If he can't be that all-round guy, and be involved in the passing game that much. If they're going to continue to rotate in these other backs, it makes him such a, a risky pick as well. And give me the the Brandon Ayukes and the T Higgins and the Chase Claypools. Give me those guys all day long in that range over guys like Sanders and, and Gaskin, unfortunately, because they had a lot of promise at the, the start of the offseason, especially after the draft when Gaskin survived it. We thought maybe he could do it. And now yeah, I'm very, very worried about them. We're going a little long on time here. I don't know if there's anybody else you want to throw out quick just to, to mention before we before we leave. Yeah, I got one real quick. And, and the Miles Gaskin news, is that's a good one. I'm glad you called that out because that has not reached home leagues. People are drafting way too early. This one is not for something he did on the field. It's for something he did off the field, and it is a maturity question. 
What the heck is Juju Smith-Schuster doing the milk crate challenge for during preseason <laughs> or much less any time ever? Why in the world? I, I haven't trusted him anyway. Deontay Johnson was the clear top guy. Then what we saw with Ben, I mean, Ben pushed the ball downfield enough where I'm like, all right, I'm okay if I get Claypool, like you mentioned, for upside. Juju Smith-Schuster already only targeted six yards downfield on average last year. That's like running back targets there, plus all the TikTok stuff. Now TikTok bans that, so now he has to do it elsewhere. But really, you're doing that right now. Just as a matter of principle, he moved down a little bit on my board. So when everybody's following you at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, are they going to see you doing the milk crate challenge anytime no. soon? No, I'm too busy, <laughs> too, too busy working, man. I'm too busy working. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we're going to let you get back to that. That is all for today's show. Make sure you're checking out Jeff's work at FTN. It is always a pleasure having him on. appreciate you doing it, man. Anything that I missed off the top there? Anything you want to direct people towards before we sign off? No, I mean, just go check out FTNFantasy.com. We're really proud of all the tools that we've been able to put together. Our Game Splits tool is the best research tool out there. Last year, there was at one point, Justin, where, remember, uh, Giovanni Bernard was taken over, and you could look at Giovanni Bernard performances pinpointed to any game where Joe Mixon wasn't in, and all it is is you click a button. You don't have to research through 18 different tabs on your web browser. You click a button, and there's the info, ftnfantasy.com. Yeah, great work. Great crew you guys have over there as well. It's uh, really exciting. Uh, before we go, I will remind everybody that the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit is constantly getting updated here. I got the rankings updated after cutdown day. Uh, after we finish here, I'm going to have to jump back in. There's lots of tweaks that I have to make pretty much across the board with a bunch of different stuff. So keep checking that out. And if you have questions, you can hit me up on Twitter at Justin Boone. We'll also be starting our Friday live shows this week. So we'll be doing the Q&A at 1 p.m. Eastern, and I'll be tweeting about that over the next couple of days. You can get your questions in. Uh, until then, though, I mean, big thanks to everybody for sending their positive thoughts and words of encouragement for our friend Mike Tagliere. He's still battling COVID, still in the hospital. Keep that up. We're going to see him back healthy soon. Big thanks again to Jeff. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.